This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 707 of the show and episode 13 of 365 brand new episodes for you, my dear listener, in 2021. On the show today, Warwick Fairfax. Warwick, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Uh, great to be here. I'm glad you're here, too, and I love your accent. Where Where is that from? <laughs> it's from Australia. Uh, yeah, I don't have as strong an accent as, uh, as some, I don't know, people remember Crocodile Dundee, uh, uh, Paul Hogan or back in the day, or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not quite that strong, but, uh, that's where I'm from. <laughs> I, I love the Australian, uh, accent so much so that my Siri is an Australian woman. Uh, well done. I, I'm weird. Well done. I, I'm weird. It's kind of weird <laughs> though, because. Like if you ask her for the score of the football game or what the weather's like, until you get used to it, it's the first time we have an Apple HomePod at home. And yeah. and and sometimes I ask, I showed someone off the weather and they're like, what's wrong with your phone? What's wrong with your HomePod? Is Oh, I got an Australian lady on there. She goes, why? <laughs> because I can. Do I have to have a reason other than because I can? <laughs> well, you should uh, you should ask us uh, what's happening in the cricket, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, before we get started, work, why don't you take about 60 seconds or so, tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, well, yeah, my name is Warwick Fairfax. Uh, kind of what I do, I have my own brand website, Crucible Leadership. And what that's about is helping people bounce back from uh, failures or tragedy. It might be your fault, not your fault. And so how do you get beyond a tragedy to live what I call a life of significance, which is a life on purpose dedicated to serving others. So uh, whether I have a blog, active on social media, have my own podcast, uh, have a book that's going to be coming out uh, later this year. So all about how do you bounce back from a crucible so it's not the end of your story, but uh, hopefully uh, a new chapter and an exciting uh, next step in your, in your journey. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. Failure. That's that's a that's the F word we don't like to talk about very much, but it is reality. It is what happens. We, we are going to fail. And so I think it's a very good topic to, to, to talk about in the show because we are going to have a lot of failures in our life. And my opinion is if you don't learn your lesson from failure, then you waste a good opportunity. So what is your perspective on failing? Well, uh, I think it helps when you have some personal experience, and uh, I do. So my perspective on failure really um, comes out of my own uh, uh, life experience. So just briefly for listeners so they get the context, uh, I grew up in a 150-year-old, very large family media business um, in Australia. It had the equivalent of the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, so TV stations, magazines, newspapers, newspapers. radio stations, a very large company. So I was the fifth generation. So I came along and um, kind of felt it was my duty to go into it, not necessarily because I wanted to, which is something I'll come back to later because something important for listeners to note. Don't just go into something just because your family thinks it's a good idea. Uh, so I uh, went, did my undergrad at Oxford, like some uh, other ancestors of mine worked on Wall Street Got my MBA at Harvard Business School, came back in uh, kind of early 87. I was 26 at the time. My dad, had, who was older, had recently died. There was turmoil in the family. 
and I felt like the company wasn't being run well or along the ideals of the founder. So I launched a $2.25 billion takeover, uh, which uh, some reason the banks lent me uh, the money. So, um, I mean, I had the shareholding, but that's a whole other story. Um, probably wasn't the best uh, loan decision in the world, but anyway, they did. And, uh, you know, family sold out, a bunch of things happened. We ended up having too much debt, brought in new management, increased operating profits 80%, but the debt was so large when Australia got in a recession three years later, the company went under. I mean, it was sold to other people, it still continues. So that was really my failure, my crucible, is I wanted to preserve the family company, see it well run, but my actions directly contributed to it going out of family control. So once that happened, it was like I had to learn the lessons. What mistakes did I make? And I made a bunch of false assumptions, not asking family members what they thought of management, a bunch of poor assumptions. But then I had to figure out, well, what in the heck, you know, uh, how can I lead a productive life, if you will? What do I do now with the rest of my life? And so that was really, uh, that was the key question I had to address is, well, what now? It's a blank slate. A clean slate can often be scary when you've suffered from failure. Well, well, now what? So that was sort of the inflection point for me. That's interesting because the, the one question I did write down is, what should we do as soon as we have failed? And I want to make sure people understand that nobody's a failure. We just fail right. at certain things. So yeah. when you fail, whether it's big or small, I mean, you told us what you did, but for the benefit of the listener, uh, what do you think the first thing that that we should do when we fail? And it may be the same thing you just talked about. Yeah. So I think the first thing is try to learn the lessons of them. Sometimes maybe you're working somewhere and uh, you got fired. Well, maybe your boss was a jerk and that's you know not uncommon, uh, but maybe it wasn't all his or her fault. Maybe some of it was yours. Try to learn the lessons. Now, I don't know if you're former boss will tell you, uh, maybe your coworkers might, if you ask them nicely and, you know, say like, I really want to know. And sometimes when you have a failure, it's not your fault, you know, but, you know, learn the lessons of them to the degree that there are lessons. That's really the, the first thing. And, and, you know, sometimes we fail, not always, because we're like a round peg in a square hole. And maybe when, as, as I put it, we weren't designed for that. So, if you want to lead a productive life, if you will, you got to live in light of your design. Now, sometimes it's obvious, anybody that's had kids, or as I say, is being a kid, they do come out of the box a certain way. Maybe we're more artistic, more scientific. You know, maybe we kind of like going a million miles an hour. Maybe we're more reflective and like kind of having walks and nature and just soaking life up. I mean, we're all wide different ways. And it does tend not to change much, if at all. So, figure out, okay, how am I wide, both in terms of my skills and just my general, uh, you know, aptitude in, in life, and then start thinking about, okay, what can I do that builds on my inherent design? I mean, that's, I know it sounds obvious, but there was a day when our parents might say, well, you can do anything you want so long as you're a doctor, a lawyer, maybe in finance, and, you know, just pick one of those professions. <laughs> well, what happens if you don't like any of them or you're not good at it? But, you know, you got to get a job, you got to pay the bills, which I get, it's important to pay the bills. But it's not about just, you might say, well, I love teaching. Yeah, but teaching, they get paid miserable amounts of money. Don't be a teacher, go be a lawyer. 
you know, if you're good at English, maybe you could be good lawyer. I mean, just it sounds like good advice from our parents or grandparents, but not always. It's not. It's a little bit narrow, narrow way of thinking from my perspective. So, figure out how you design, and and that is the the building block of moving on from failure. I mean, after lessons learned, obviously. Hey there, it's Mark, and I will coach you for less than $2 a day, plus give you access to a group coaching call every single month. For more information, visit MrProductivity.com. In uh, July 2005, I was fired from my corporate job here in Houston. And at the time, of course, I was very angry. I was very frustrated. I was very overwhelmed. But now, as I look back on it, I think it was a blessing because had I not gotten fired, would I still be there? Would I have the Mark Stuchowski podcast? Would I be an entrepreneur? Of course, I have no way of knowing those the answers to those questions. So sometimes when you get fired, you can look at it like mama bird kicking you out of the nest. And maybe you've gotten signs along the way. It's time to move on, but you just like ignored them or resisted them. Now you get fired. Now you get a chance to make, uh, okay, what am I going to do now with my life? So I think that you can look at it that way as well. That's such a profound point because it's hard to think of failure as a blessing. I'm sure when you were fired on that day, you didn't say, thank you, universe. Thank you, God. What a blessing. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm a person of faith, so I tend to believe uh, that all things happen for a reason. But at the time, all you know, all you can feel is like searing pain. That's the only emotion that's occurring to you. But yeah, I mean, for me, it took me quite a lot of years to figure out kind of my aptitude and, um, you know, try different things from uh, financial business analysis at a local aviation services firm in Annapolis, got into executive coaching, which I liked, was on two nonprofit boards, an elder at my non-denominational church and on the school board. And I gradually found things that I was good at. And because I love the world of questions, people said, well, yeah, I I would ask questions in a way that I was giving advice, and they'd say, well, that's a good point. I said, what do you mean? I'm just asking a question. So I found I had a leadership voice. Now, if you told me after the company went under, maybe you could have something to contribute in the world of leadership, I'd say, me? I couldn't lead myself out of a paper bag. I mean, are you kidding me? I just lost this massive company. There is no way. But over time, I realized in my own sort of coaching way, maybe I do have that. So it's Failure can be a blessing. You know, obviously it starts with design, but some other building blocks is you want to find a vision that's in, in line with your design, but also is tied to your fundamental beliefs and values. You know, so it's very difficult to pursue a vision unless you believe in it passionately. And you're not going to believe in it passionately unless it's tied to what you believe is fundamentally important in life, whatever that be. It could be a faith perspective, philosophical um, you know, it's hard to kind of get through all the roadblocks unless you think, you know what, I know I've hit the wall 50 times today, but this vision is so important, I'm going to keep going. Like I'm sure you're passionate about what you do as an entrepreneur, helping people be productive. I'm sure you've hit roadblocks maybe dozens of times a day, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But because you're passionate about it, you keep you keep moving forward, right? I mean, if, if you weren't yeah. passionate about it, it's like, oh, maybe I'll give up and do something else, you know? So passion uh, and tying to your underlying you know, beliefs and values, that's sort of a, a crucial next step to leading, I think, a productive life or what I like to call a life of significance. Um, so, yeah. 
My uh, prime example is my our family dentist graduated college with honors as a mechanical engineer. And then after he got his diploma, he said, you know, I don't want to be mechanical engineering. I want to be a dentist. So he went back to school for dentistry and graduated with honors as a dentist. Now, that's someone who says, I mean, that that's a big thing when you go through a program and you realize, hey, I'm really good at it, but I don't want to be it. And then he goes back for the other for dental. I was I still use that example all the time because that's someone who's really asking themselves, is this mechanical engineering thing? Is that is this going to set me on fire? Is this going to get me up every day? And he said, the answer is no. And he went back for more schooling for dentistry. And I, I applaud him for that because a lot of people wouldn't have done that. And what you just said is so interesting. He was good at it, but he didn't enjoy it. That is possible. I know in my own life because you know, I worked on banking in Wall Street and have a Harvard MBA. Yeah, I understand finance. And on the two nonprofit boards I've been on, they have finance committees. I've steered away from the finance committee like the plague because I don't enjoy it. I mean, when I need to be, I can be detail-orientated. So could I do it well? Yeah, but I just find it boring. I'd rather have other people that actually enjoy that stuff. So, you know, just because you're good at it doesn't mean you should do it. You know, if it's boring, don't do it. I know that sounds obvious, but some people are like, well, I got to get a job and I'm good at it. And besides, work is meant to be boring and tedious. Nobody enjoys their job. So let's just, you know, sort of like a, I don't know, 1950s factory work kind of thing is work isn't meant to be fun. So if I can do it and get a paycheck and, you know, for some, maybe they don't have alternatives. But if you have an alternative, don't just do something just because you're good at it. That's not enough. I I remember having a conversation with somebody oh a couple of years ago, and the family business was architecture. And grandpa was in architecture, and dad was in architecture, and all the kids were going to school for architecture. And the guy told me, he says, I don't want to be an architect. I mean, I'm good at it. It's a family business. But they said to me, he said, how do I tell my parents that? I'm like, I'm, I'm not a therapist. I don't know how you address your parents that, but he didn't want to be, he was really good at it, but he didn't want to do it. He had a passion for something else. And I said, well, I think you need to have a very difficult conversation with your parents. And that is so tough. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm right with you because uh, to have a conversation with my parents, especially my dad, who was, I was fifth generation in the family. He was fourth. I mean, it, it would have devastated him. You know, I mean, what made matters worse is I always worked hard. I didn't get into trouble. I got good grades. Well, that just makes it worse because it's like, you know, not everybody that grows up in a wealthy family works hard. You know, I was humble. I didn't need to drive fast cars. I mean, just, you know, when I was working in the newspaper business, I had this red Toyota Camry. You know, I was like the majority shareholder of the whole company at that point. You know, my chief executive had, you know, I don't know, a Jaguar and the editorial guy had a Daimler and, you know, and my, some reverse snobbery thing. I got a kick out of pulling up next to them in my dread Toyota Camry. But so, you know, I always, <laughs> humility is important to me and all that. So working hard. So I, I don't know that I could have had that conversation with my dad and said, Dad, I'm not going into family business. I, I, w- I felt it would have betrayed him five generations. I get it. It's so hard to do. I mean, it's. I don't know how you have that conversation. It's really, I don't know, you, you need um, maybe some friends, maybe a spouse, somebody that says, you know what, you got to have the conversation. But I, I mean, I don't think I could have done it. 
frankly, back then. The only reason I left because I had to. The company went under. So, you know, I, I hear you. One of the benefits of being a subscriber to my email newsletter is you get access to free weekly training from me. To sign up for my email newsletter, just go to mrproductivity.com. Interesting. So I'm thinking to myself, someone's listening to this conversation and they're going to work. I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm 55, 45, whatever. And, you know, you keep talking about inherent design. How do I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? What would you tell them? Well, I mean, firstly, I guess the question would be, do you know how you're wired? I mean, you can take a bunch of aptitude tests. I mean, there's a many, whether it's Myers-Briggs, Strengths Finders. But you can also ask your friends or spouse, the people that know you for decades, and you ask them, so well, what are the things I'm good at? How am I wired? Everybody knows who you are. You know, it's not a secret. And they'll tell you if you ask. So, I mean, that's sort of the, the building block. But, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be open to change. And like, you know, I tend to like my rhythms as much as the next person. I don't like change. You know, it's just, you know, in any area of my life, I, I have to force myself. So I'm about as resistant to change as, I don't know, as, as anybody I'd say. But you've got to ask yourself, is my current life serving me? You know, I mean, I'm spending my life in service of what? You know, at the end of my day, you know, I'm on my deathbed. What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want my, my life to? You've got to be willing to ask yourself some tough questions and have those questions with loved ones that are really for you and friends. And, and just have that conversation. And, you know, if, you, if you're willing to experiment and just ask those tough questions, you can find things that you're passionate about. I mean, people that know you well will say, you know, have you thought about this or that? I always see you tinkering in the garage and you're making maybe wood, wooden things. I always see you dreaming about this. Or I see you writing here and there and noodling on things. You know, you, you've just got to be willing to experiment to take, you know, little, don't have to take the big risk, leap, leap off the, off the cliff, but, you know, small wins, small risks, just try it. You don't have to give up your day job while you're trying things. So, you know, it's easy to say, look, you know, it's all impossible and it's hard, but be willing to take risks, small risks, you know, and, and really what helps is if you find something that you're over the charts passionate about, that will help fuel your desire and willingness to change. I think we all have things in our life that are passionate. Can you imagine thinking you're on your deathbed? It's like maybe there's something I was off the charts passionate about, but I was too afraid to try. Do you want to be that person? Mm. You know, I mean, it's better to have tried and failed, as the adage goes, and never have tried at all. And I just believe there's something that we're all wired to be passionate about. So find that thing. It can be big, can be small. Uh, so be, be willing to take risks, you know, moderate risks, not jump off the cliff risk, but moderate risks. You know, what you just said resonated with my story because after I was fired in July of 2005, I was kind of stumbling and bumbling around in the world of uh, entrepreneurship. And one day I was on a phone call with a coach and I was not having a good day. I was kind of blue and, and they go, what's going on? I said, well, you know, I like, speaking and training and helping people, but I don't know what my topic should be. And he just said, well, why don't you talk about productivity? And I remember saying to him, I don't know where that came from, but why would you say that? He goes, I know a lot of people, you are naturally gifted being productive. So why don't you share that gift with the world? I'm like, 
I'm so glad he said that because look where I am now, Mr. Productivity. But back then it like, what, what? Cause I wasn't seeing it. Cause you can't see the forest for the trees. Well, and, but, and, and notice that conversation, somebody that knew you, I, I imagine you've known each other for at least a few months, if not a few years. I mean, enough that this person knew you and said, well, why not talk about productivity? Well, you couldn't see it, but probably if you ask those that really knew you, well, well who's Mark? Well, what's one of the, some of the adjectives you think of? I bet you that more than this person would have said, you know, this guy's very productive. He kind of knows how to get it done. <laughs> some people wander around and contemplate this guy is a doer. He's Mr. Action Man. Stuff gets done. Well, if you have several people that know you all say that, they could all be delusional, but maybe not. Maybe and and you know, it's worth it's worth a shot, right? You know? It's yeah. it's kind of like um, you know, those uh those three sixties uh people who, you know, in corporate world, people above you, beside you, and below you. If everybody around you says, you know what? Fred, Mary, they just don't listen. They're arrogant. Maybe they're all wrong, but maybe not. (laughs) My default is everybody (laughs) around me says something. My default is they may be right, you know, right until proven otherwise. If everybody says, you know what, Mark's Mr. Productivity, maybe they're right, you know? And I think the evidence has shown they were right. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so thankful for that. You know, getting back to failure really quickly as we come to get close to the end of the show here. Um, I had a Bible study teacher that used to say that you're either coming out of a trial, in a trial, or, uh-oh, about ready to enter a trial. <laughs> and the thing is, it's the way life is. So if you're cruising long, life is going really great, uh, be very cognizant because there could be something right around the bend that you're not aware of. And I just want – the reason why I share that with people is – life is not a straight line. Life is a roller coaster, hills and valleys. And I think you got to realize that if things are going well for you, you might want to start paying some extra attention. I think that's so true. And, you know, if, you know, it's kind of like, I was going to say taking uh, immunization. Everybody's thinking of the vaccine, right? You know, when am I going to be eligible for the vaccine? You know, some of us may be waiting a while, but uh, anyway, you know, it's okay to try and get some vaccination against uh, life diseases that come towards you. And one of the big things with failure, why it hits most of us so hard is, and this is in, in face circles, a familiar concept is the question of identity. Do you have your identity in what you do in your job? If you do, then if failure comes your way, it'll be like a Mack truck. It won't be a speed bump. Failure is never easy. Uh, but to the degree it happens, whether that promotion at work doesn't happen or you get fired, and the easier said than done, I realize. But if your identity is in, you know, maybe it's in a faith perspective, maybe it's in something else. But if it's if you separate your identity from what you do, that is one somewhat of a vaccination, not a complete, but at least that your symptoms in the disease will be far less. You know, maybe it will be an upset stomach versus, I don't know, some massive got to go to the hospital uh, for a ma- an operation. So that, that's really key identity. Uh, and that's, you know, if you ask people you know, when they're in the depths of failure, that's often the biggest thing. I was somebody. I was the CEO. I was the owner of this business. And now I'm nothing because I've lost that business. I am nothing and I'm worthless. That's a very common trait. And you just think about that in advance. It'll save you a fair amount of pain. 
Love it. Well, you've given us a lot to think about on the show today. Before I let you go, I want to play mic swap with you. So I'm going <laughs> to let you be the host of the Mark Stachowski podcast. You do not have to say my last name and don't ask me <laughs> for my social security number or credit card number. Other than that, why don't you ask you one or two questions that and they don't have to be productivity related that you'd like to answer and uh, help me stay sharp for my audience. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when I think of productivity, I guess my question is, you know, you think of day to day, how do I be productive? But what does it mean to have a productive life in the full sense of that word productive? What does a productive life look like? For me, it's doing what you love to do where you love to do it. I think a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people on social media as we already talked about in the show today, they're they're doing things because they're good at it or because their mom said they should do it, do it. And I'm like, you will never be more productive until you're happy. And so you need to find out what makes you happy and don't don't chase the money, chase happiness, because I'd rather have you make fifty thousand dollars a year and be happy than make fifty million dollars a year and be utterly miserable. That's such a good point. It sort of makes me think of the whole significance success. You can be very successful, but not but not happy. So how does that work, significant success, productivity? Because I think you're kind of touching on that. What's that all mean to you? Well, for me, when you wake up every day like it's Christmas morning and every day is a new present, and you look forward to what you're going to learn that day, whom you're going to meet. I think you have more significance because now you're like, okay, you're not living in the land of negativity. You're living in the land of positivity. You're living in the land of hope. And I think if there's anything we need more of in 2021, yeah, we all need the vaccine. We need to get rid of COVID. But I think we need to have more people be positive. We need to have more people be happy and I think when people discover their significance, and I, I encourage people after listening to this conversation with you, I really hope that they spend some time thinking about their significance. And when I say spend some time, I mean, put it on your calendar, put your phone on, do not disturb, maybe go for a walk without your phone and really think about what do you want to do in life? Okay. Don't spend five minutes in this and, you know, between commercials or when you're at the red light, spend some quality time with yourself. And find out what lights you up. And I think that would, when you find that answer, to, and everyone's going to be unique, there's no one size fits all, you'll be excited for life. So. I think that's so true. Sort of an add-on to that would be, you know, whether it's the eulogy or, you know, maybe your kids, grandkids, friends, you know, you ask yourself, how would I like them to remember me? Mm. You know, what... Well, you know, what would I like them, what impression? And it could be how you are as a person, what you do, but, you know, you want to live who you want to be at, at work, at home, because very often I find the issue isn't some, like I sometimes I'll ask clients, so tell me, I'm here at what you do at work, and um, so how does what you do and how you're living your life connect with your underlying values and beliefs? Well, they're kind of disconnected. Okay. And I'll say, and as a coach with a straight face, so which do you want to shift? Do you want to shift your underlying values and beliefs or, you know, how you're living your life? And as a coach, I'm not judgmental. It's your life. I don't care which. 
I can't think of anybody that said, you know what, I need to sh- change my fundamental beliefs and values to shift so that it's more in, in, in harmony with how I'm living my life. I don't think I've ever met somebody. So I'll say, okay, so is that a problem? Yes. So what do you want to do? Well, I guess I better bring my life in harmony with my values and beliefs. Most people don't do enough reflection. And so it's yes. reflect on that. Are you living a light of who you want to be remembered? And if you're not, that's not living a life of significance or a life of true productivity. That's It's hard to be joyful if you're not in line with um, how you're wired and, and what you believe is important and how you want to be remembered. I mean, that's, you know, if you're not in sync, you won't be happy or joyful. 100%. Thank you for those questions. I really appreciate you participating in Mike Swamp. So the final question for you, sir, is where can we go find out more about you and what you do? Well, you can go to my website, which is crucibleleadership.com. Uh, I'm active on LinkedIn, uh, Warwick Fairfax. Uh, Warwick has a silent W in the middle there. Uh, also on Facebook under Crucible Leadership. And uh, I also have my own uh, podcast, uh, Beyond the Crucible, uh, where we talk to folks about their crucible stories and how they bounced back. So basically stories of hope. So those are probably the main ways. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time for being on the show today. Listener, thank you for your attention and uh, reach out to work. Let them know you appreciated him being on the show today. Work. I really appreciate it again for you being on the show and I hope you have an awesome rest of your 2021. Thanks, Mark. It was great to be here. Hey, 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 don't leave this episode yet. I have a very important announcement for you. I want you to go to mrproductivity.com right now and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely for free. It's my gift to you. And while you're at mrproductivity.com, I want you to click on the tab that talks about my digital productivity coaching program. I call it DPC. This program is incredible and I'm super excited about it because one, via a dedicated app, you get daily, yes, daily coaching and accountability prompts from me and the ability to ask me questions, short questions in the app. You get a live group coaching call every single, well, month with me. Third, you get access to a DPC members only community online, and it's not a Facebook group. And fourth, you get replays of all the group coaching calls and my Saturday morning trainings. Now, my Saturday morning trainings are free, but there's no replay. But DPC members get access to the training, to the replays, part of their membership. Now, what's this cost you? You may think thousands of dollars. No, it's $49 a month. That's less than $2 a day. So check out the digital productivity coaching program and grab the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs at my website, mrproductivity.com.